Blog Talk Radio. Do you watch Fox News all day? Are you dizzy from conservative spin? Are you a birther or teabagger? You might be suffering from a condition called barachnophobia. If so, the only cure is Liberal Dan Radio. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Warning, Liberal Dan Radio is not a substitute for doctor's advice. Severe cases of barachnophobia may require psychiatric help. This may prove expensive if Republicans repeal health care. Listening to Liberal Dan Radio may cause you to embrace things like facts, logic, and reason. If these symptoms last for more than four hours, you have been cured. For more information, go to liberaldan.com. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. You can also uh, join the chat room on blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. You can also leave your comments on the show thread over at liberaldan.com if you're listening after the live broadcast. Uh, Lots of things to discuss on the show today. But first, this week's headlines. In political news, Bernie Sanders lost many of the primaries in Tuesday's primaries. It is shocking that an old Jewish man from the Northeast couldn't find more in common with the old Jewish people from the Northeast who now live in Florida. In other news, a man from Kenner, Louisiana, was arrested for practicing dentistry without a license. I'm not sure what caused him to want to do this. Perhaps he watched a little too many up viewings of the Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, However, I think the kid in Florida that was practicing gynecology had a much better idea. In entertainment news, Harrison Ford is said to be coming back to do a fifth Indiana Jones movie. No news on if Adam Driver will be cast to kill him off in this franchise as well. Chumley, from the show Pawn Stars, was arrested on many counts of various naughty things. His bail was set at $500,000. His boss said, the best I can do is 250. And finally, in sports entertainment news, today is 316, and the month is 316. If you are a wrestling fan, you will know the significance of this. If not, I might just have to stomp a mud hole. And that's the bottom line, because Liberal Dan said so. And that was this week's headlines. Now, before we get to the other topics at hand uh, for the show, I do want to discuss Merrick Garland. Uh, Barack Obama has finally come forth and nominated a individual for the Supreme Court to replace uh, former Associate Justice Antonin Scalia. And one of the things that is interesting is that, you know, despite you know Senator Mitch McConnell vowing uh, before you know his body was cold, uh, that he would not allow Obama to fill the seat. Um, after that, uh, you had uh, Senator Orrin Hatch during the discussions as to who President Obama might pick, and Orrin Hatch said, "Merrick Garland is a highly is highly qualified to sit on the D.C. Circuit." 
his intelligence and his scholarship cannot be questioned. Actually, this is um, this is 96 re-election. Garland was confirmed with support. In 1995, Bill Clinton nominated Garland for a seat on the United States Court of Appeals. District of Columbia, the Republican Senate obstructed the nomination, refusing to give him an up or down vote. Clinton resubmitted the nomination after his 1996 re-election. Garland was confirmed with a bipartisan support of 76-23. Orrin Hatch. Merrick Garland is, a highly, is highly qualified to sit in the U.S. D.C. Circuit. His intelligence and scholarship cannot be questioned. His legal experience is equally impressive. Accordingly, I believe Mr. Garland is a fine nominee. I know him personally. I know of his integrity. I know of his legal ability. I know of his honesty. I know of his acumen, and he belongs on the court. I believe he is not only a fine nominee, but as the as good as Republicans can expect from from this administration. In fact, I would place him at the top of the list. Um, John Kyle, I believe Mr. Garland is well qualified for the Court of Appeals. He earned degrees from Harvard College, Harvard Law School, and clerked for Judge Friendly on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit and for Justice Brennan on the Supreme Court and since 1993 has worked for the Department of Justice. There's no question he is qualified to serve on the court. So... And now we even have a situation where um, I believe it was also Orrin Hatch. I'm checking that real quick just to make sure. Um, but it was a Republican. I'm waiting for my page to load. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Who said? Well, just a few days ago, it was Orrin Hatch that said Merrick Garland is a fine man. And it was also said that um, there's no question uh, that Merrick Garland could be confirmed to the Supreme Court, as what Orrin Hatch once said. And it was even proposed that, you know, Obama should suggest Merrick Garland as his nominee to replace Anton Scalia on the Supreme Court. But it was suggested by the Republican that he wouldn't do it because he's going to play politics with it. Well, shoes on the other foot. Obama did promote or nominate Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court. Uh, He's not a perfect justice, um, but I think he would probably do just fine. I, I I don't think that President Obama would nominate somebody who liberals would have a problem with. And it's great that he found somebody that the Supreme that the Republicans on the Supreme Court have previously supported, Republicans in the Senate, have previously supported for other benches, and they also have good things, at least in the past, to say about the man. So either Obama is a big old troll, and he's just doing an excellent job trolling these Republicans, putting up this person who who he heard him say that they supported, and then go, all right, let's do it. Let's support him and see what happens. Or maybe Obama just really thinks that this is the best person for the job. Either way, I think it's a, it's a good maneuver. I, I still like the idea of Sandra Day O'Connor a little better um, just because I think I would love to see them trying to argue to block a Reagan nominee. Uh, But who knows, maybe President Obama approached uh, O'Connor with that idea and maybe she said no. Who knows? 
we I guess we'll we'll never know unless one of them comes out and says that that was a possibility to happen. Um, but as far from everything that I've read so far about Merrick Garland, and it hasn't been a lot. Um, he's probably going to be more of a centrist than the four quote liberal people on the on the bench. However. I think he might be a little bit to the left of Kennedy. So I don't think he becomes that fifth, oh, my God, vote of, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think he, he becomes a that tiebreaker vote. But still, he's obviously going to be to the left of Scalia. And that would give you probably, you know, with four liberals, three conservatives, and two middle grounds with Merrick Garland being a little bit on the left. Now, I think that's a reasonable place to be. Um, I do. I think that's a reasonable place to be. And so some people might say, well, you know, the Republicans are saying, well, let's just make this election a referendum about who should be chosen on the Supreme Court. Now, I've been advocating all along, even before Scalia died, that this should be, that this election should be all about who can make nominations to the next vacancy of the Supreme Court, not knowing that Scalia would kick the bucket. But I was saying for months that the most important thing for me in this election was to make sure that somebody on the left was in the presidential chair in the Oval Office making those nominations because we could not afford to have a Republican making them if any openings came available to make a nomination because God forbid something happened to a notorious RBG and Ted Cruz is in the Oval Office trying to replace her. No, that's just a recipe for disaster for rights that have been long fought for. So I thought that this should be an election about who gets to name the next Supreme Court justice before there was even an opening. But unfortunately, Um, Well, or fortunately, I guess, depending on how you view it, we have a situation where this is about naming, replacing this Supreme Court justice, assuming that Obama can't get him passed and that he, uh, assuming Obama can't get him through and that the open remains through the next term. Um, one interesting thing actually will be is, is is it possible to have a recess between the ending of the session of this current Senate and when the new senators are elected? Will it be possible to have such a recess? And if that's the case, if a recess can happen, then Obama might get to blame somebody, uh, make an interim appointment under the belief that, you know, knowing that if unless you get a majority in the Senate and enough of a majority in the Senate to matter, uh, that you're not going to have the, that, that. Even though these Republicans are saying that this is the next that this should be an issue and that, that, that the voters should be able to decide, even though that has nothing to do with the Constitution whatsoever, 
voters have no say in who becomes the Supreme Court, except for <coughs> to nominate who replaces them, uh, to, to chooses to, to vote for who dominates them. Um, but do we really believe that a Senator Ted Cruz would say, you know, Hillary Clinton won the election or Bernie Sanders won the election. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to support that judicial nominee that they put up because they won that fight. Do you really think that Ted Cruz is going to back down and not block any Democratic nominee if it, when the Democratic candidate wins in the fall? That's never going to happen. Never going to happen at all. And if you believe that the Republicans are going to just let this play out, and no, it's never going to happen whatsoever. So I think it might be important to see if a recess does take place, and if it takes place, um, can he then name somebody to the court? You know, it, the, the Supreme Court in their previous ruling made it very hard for Obama or any president to name somebody during a session because uh, the, the people who are in charge of Congress or in charge of the Senate can just have pro forma meetings that don't require even a quorum and be considered to be not in recess, which is just stupid. It's probably the dumbest thing that one of the dumbest things that the Supreme Court has done on at least maybe powers. I don't know if it's, I'm not going to say it's be stupid because <coughs> the Supreme Court has some, made some dumb rules. And, you know, there are some things that I disagree with, like, you know, really good, Lily Ledbetter versus Goodyear Tire. Now, that obviously I don't think is a well formed decision. But I'm not sure if it's more stupid than the one that says that the Senate can be in recess, but as long as it doesn't call it recess, it's not really recess. You know, words have meanings. And we don't, and, you know, if, if the Senate's not meeting, then it should be considered in recess. You shouldn't get to have one person come in and bang a gavel and say, hey, we're here today, or I'm here today. That counts for something, right? No, it's dumb. Anyway, let's go ahead and take the first commercial break. Come back and take your calls. Uh, area code 347-838-8368. That is area code 347-838-8368. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out Budgeteers.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do, but Budgeteers is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out budgeteers.com or go to youtube.com slash budgeteers and help make your trip the best it can be. 
BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. I am sick and tired of the propaganda in today's media. You know, we can't have a sane discussion about politics. Well, yes, you can, and it's on ROJS Radio Live with the girls, Monica RW, and Autumn S. I'm there every week when they discuss Michigan and national politics, job search, unemployment, and more from an independent laugh, sanity-based point of view. So, tune in. ROJS Radio Live, Saturdays and Sundays at 11 a.m. sharp here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the West, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 347-838-8368. That's area code 347-838-8368. You can join us in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. Or you can leave your feedback, comments, questions, etc. on the show thread over at liberaldan.com. So, yes. Yesterday, May 15th, the eyes of March, uh, was a big day in the election. So you had um, the Republicans first, I guess. You have, uh, I guess, the one somewhat shocking thing is I thought that Trump might actually be able to just hammer out Ohio, too. But Kasich finally won a state, and the state he won was a winner-take-all state. And as such, he was able to wrap up 66 delegates. And 66 delegates was enough for him to get 143 overall and I guess consider himself somewhere in the running for a spoiler. I guess that the best way to put it is that he really has no path uh, to get the nomination on the first ballot. He has to hope that he can pull enough delegates away from the other two candidates, and more so from Trump than from Cruz, to be able to prevent Trump from getting the required number of delegates to win the first ballot. What's even more interesting is that Rubio's delegates now pretty much become the Democratic version of superdelegates, with the exception of that these delegates are not party insiders necessarily, but depending on the state and how they're chosen, you know, they can be chosen by the party functions and districts, by the state party. Each state is going to choose them differently. So when, you know, so you're going to start seeing fights in these little state committee meetings or whatever, however they're held in each of the states over these Rubio delegates. Because, again, Rubio was not able to capture uh, Florida. Uh, Rubio got um, 20-something percent of the vote. And Trump got 45.7 percent of the vote, giving him 99 overall delegates. Um, And, of course, because Rubio couldn't win his own state, Rubio was then forced to drop out of the race, uh, which was an inevitability because Trump was just destroying him in Florida. So, you know, but you have these Rubio delegates that are now going to be unbound. Same basic thing as the 
as a superdelegate, with the exception of the fact that they can actually try and win over these nomination processes and try to say, look, you know, maybe make these Rubio guys, these delegates that are now outbound delegates, let's make sure that they're Trump supporters. Or let's make, you know, they could go for Cruz. They could go for Kasich. Kasich could make a, a chance, a, a, a shout out and say, look, we, we believe that we have, um, we believe that we have a case to be made here. So as long as they don't go to Trump, you know, maybe come to me and let, let me be the establishment's choice because According to a lot of some people, um, Mitch McConnell is not very happy with Ted Cruz, and I don't think that the establishment is going to want to uh, support Ted Cruz unless Ted Cruz does a really big mea culpa about you know his behavior and how he's acted towards the quote establishment of the Republican Party. But okay, so Ohio is won by Kasich, Florida was won by Trump, Illinois won by Trump. Handily so, Trump won 38.8% as opposed to Ted Cruz's. But, I mean, 38, this, this is a, just a law of diminishing returns because Trump got 51 delegates for his 38.8% as opposed to Cruz's nine delegates. Nine for 30%. So 8% more of the vote got Cruz almost 5% more six times. Sorry, five, 8% more of the vote gets him it's almost six times, five and a half times the amount of electoral votes that Ted Cruz got. It's crazy. So, and then you have the other states. Um, I believe Trump won. Let me reload this page back up. Uh, Missouri, uh, Trump won 25 delegates. Again, another situation where Trump won 40.9% of the vote. Cruz won 40.7% of the vote. Now, okay, here, here's the here's the amusing thing is that the Republicans are trying to say that the Democratic Party nomination process is undemocratic because because you have superdelegates, which represent a, a minority of the votes. However, in Missouri, you have Donald Trump, who has 40.9% of the vote, and is saying here, that he got 0.2% more of the vote, that Trump gets 25 delegates to Cruz's five? But let's, let's open up another page and see. So, yeah, right now, 382,093, 380,397. 40.9% for Trump, 40.7% for Cruz. Trump currently has 25 delegates to Cruz's five. Now, I don't exactly know. There are 52 delegates in the Republican primary. Um, so that's, you know, there's still a bunch 
kind of just not awarded. I don't know why they're not awarded. Let me let me just see real quick. How are Missouri Republican delegates awarded? How Missouri splits its delegates for president. So according to the Southeast Missourian um, Republican delegates, Missouri has 52 delegates. State Republican Party is awarding delegates only to candidates who are actively campaigning. Um, if anybody receives the majority of the votes cast for active candidacy, we get all 52 delegates. If not, delegates awarded as follows. 12 for the candidate who gets the most votes statewide. Five for every congressional district a candidate wins. That means one candidate can get all of Missouri's delegates if he wins every congressional district, or the delegates could be split among candidates depending on who fares best in each of the state's eight districts. So perhaps they're still tabulating the results as to who uh, who is, I guess, winning and who isn't. Um, currently, you have Clinton. In that case, it's 49.6 to 49.4. Again, point. It's very weird. Missouri is very weird that 0.2% represents the split <coughs> between Trump and Cruz. And 0.2% represents the split between Clinton and Sanders. But the difference in delegates is widely different. 25 to 5 versus with about 30 remaining. And then you have 32 to 32 on the Democratic side. So not exactly sure what they're waiting for on the other um, or the, the other delegates. It just doesn't make, you know, maybe they're just waiting on the count so that they, it can be officially uh, split up. But it's just interesting that, that that's the case. So currently with um, North Carolina, Trump wins North Carolina. That's a more reasonable split, I guess. 40.2, 36.8, Trump gets 29, Cruz gets 27, Kasich gets 9. Um, that's 72. So there's still some delegates that are that are remaining that are left over. Um, and so what's coming up? We have March 22nd, so we have another Tuesday. Uh, Arizona is going to have 58 delegates, and Utah is going to have 40 delegates. But I guess we'll have to see how the rest of those those uh, delegates. It's weird that, uh, let's see, Politico has why Missouri is still too close to call. All precincts are reporting, all the votes have been tabulated, but the Associated Press, along with virtually all major, this is today at 7, um, have yet to declare Hillary or Donald Trump the winner of being a primary in state because both Clinton and Trump um, led their respective primaries just two-tenths of a percentage point, again, what I said, within the 0.5% threshold for a recount under Missouri election law. Um, so it's possible that there could be recounts of both. Uh, both uh, must automatically be triggered. Uh, neither Cruz or Sanders have said they're going to challenge the results, as is the right under Missouri law. Uh, both races remain too close to call. None of the networks have called a winner in either primary. Though Embassy News did proclaim Clinton as Trump as apparent winners when all the votes were counted. Um, Democratic rules have proportional allocation. Um, so they will split most of the 71 pledged delegates in the state on Tuesday. Uh, Republican Party, nine delegates are awarded to the statewide winner, regardless of margin, which is 
different than the other site said. Um, 40 of the other 43 delegates were awarded per congressional district. According to the Associated Press, Trump has won 25 of those delegates. Um, two districts remain too close to call. So that's why we're seeing a difference between the overall available and a difference in that. But even, even so, even if Cruz manages to pick up those two districts that are too close to call, he gets still gets 15 of 25, or he gets still gets 15, Cruz still gets, still gets um, 25 plus 9, so 34, 34 to 15. That's still a big difference for being as close. So I don't want to hear the Republican Party saying that the Democratic nominee is not Democratic when you have this situation happening in Missouri that Ted, that Donald Trump could be having a extreme victory electoral vote-wise, even though coming out with a slim margin of votes otherwise. Now, it's possible that Cruz might contest it. Uh, Sanders might not. Sanders might say, look, I don't care. You know, if we recount it, it's still going to be 32 to 32, even if I come out ahead. But Cruz has nine delegates at stake, so it's possible he might want to have a recount. Um, so we'll see if that happens. We'll see if that takes place. Anyway, let's go ahead, uh, take the news block break. Uh, coming back, take your calls, 347-838-8368. That's area code 347-838-8368. Um, after the break, we'll discuss the Democratic Party side and... Uh, we'll also be discussing free speech after the last in the last segment of the show. Until then, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk to the last that's right. Production of Diversified Media Enterprises. For WIN, I'm Joanne Powers. 1,200 nurses began a one-week strike Tuesday morning at Kaiser Permanente's Los Angeles Medical Center. The nurses, who joined the California Nurses Association last summer, are striking over working conditions and not having a contract over the last six years. Karen Chan is the union's chief bargaining representative. The nurses are really concerned that over the last six years, Kaiser has centralized a lot of services to Los Angeles Medical Center and essentially made it a regional specialty center. But they've also seen in the past six years a steady decline of the conditions and resources available for the nurses to do their jobs adequately and take care of the patients properly. Joel Briones, a registered nurse at the center and member of the union's bargaining committee, says the company has frozen the nurses' wages for the last six years basically a wage theft because all the other Kaisers in this region in Southern California have gotten their yearly raise. Kaiser's Los Angeles Medical Center is the flagship of Southern California, yet in the face of multi-billion dollar profit, they have frozen our wages. Additionally, this year, they continued with this wage theft by hijacking compensation related to performance. We will be here every day to voice out to the public. The nurses are ready to fight to convey that message to Kaiser to do it right by the nurses. By government workers to protect cost of living adjustments in their retirement benefits is now before the New Jersey Supreme Court. The state froze all cost of living increases for public workers in 2011 as part of a pension reform law that reduced worker benefits. Workers and their unions argue that the adjustments are guaranteed by their contract. An appellate court in 2014 ruled in favor of the 
workers. The state has continued to pay out the adjustments as the case winds its way through the courts. Professors and lecturers at California State University are gearing up for a possible strike in April. During a CSU Board of Trustees meeting last week, members of the California Faculty Association held up signs counting down the 36 days to a possible five-day strike at all 23 of the system's campuses if progress is not made towards a contract agreement. For over a year, the university system and the faculty have both refused to budge. CSU has offered workers a 2% salary increase, but the faculty union is demanding a 5% increase, saying wages have been stagnant for five years during the state's recent budget crisis. If no agreement is reached, the union is planning a strike for April 13th, the earliest it can legally happen. Brought to you by Union Active, affordable, state-of-the-art web design using responsive web technology with easy-to-use content tools, member management features, and a host of other tools that make Union Active your perfect web solution. Designs, prices, and features are online at unionactive.com. You've been listening to WIN, Workers' Independent News. For more information, visit laborradio.org. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 347-838-8368. It is area code 347-838-8368. Or you can ask a question in the chat room, or you can use the Skype button and connect via the, the Blog Talk Radio show page. Or if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can always leave your comments, questions, and concerns on the show thread at liberaldan.com. Now, before the break, I was discussing the Republican uh, nomination. Um, now, moving on to the Democratic side of things, uh, we have interesting, um, you know, results going on in, uh, you know, basically nobody has really officially said that Missouri, who the winner of Missouri is. Um, I was looking at the uh, results earlier today, and there was a weird result in that you had Hillary Clinton having more uh, votes percentage-wise, by 0.2% than Sanders. But Sanders at the time had more, excuse me, had more um, electoral votes. But then later on in the day, it actually took place that they are tied. It's 32-32, adding up to 64. So you still have uh, a couple of delegates that have yet to be awarded in that state. Um, I don't know if that represents superdelegates or not. But so, but Clinton has obviously an amazing day. Um, you know, one of the things that I've said um, prior to, you know, Tuesday was the ridiculousness being made about the people who were saying that Hillary Clinton was only winning the Southern states. And I've explained on the show previously why that's a dumb thing, why I made that same mistake back in 2008 in describing Obama's strategy. And then I later figured out, oh, that was a smart strategy, and I did a mea culpa. But in this case, Hillary Clinton is following Obama's strategy. And finally, 538.com basically said that Hillary Clinton is following um, Obama's strategy for victory. I'm like, thank you for listening to Liberal Dan Radio, because Liberal Dan Radio had that first. Liberal Dan Radio was the one to say that uh, first, prior to anything else. So um, thanks for joining the bandwagon there, I guess, 538.com. 
that was, you know, pretty obvious to those paying attention. Uh, that is exactly what she was doing. She learned from her 2008 mistakes and learned how to do a smart campaign and is doing such. And as such, she won Florida of 214 delegates, Clinton won 133, Sanders of 65, and Illinois. Um, it was evenly, uh, more a little more even, 50.5 versus 48.7, but uh, Hillary did get 68 delegates to Bernie 67. Um, North Carolina, uh, 107 delegates. Uh, Hillary won 59. Sanders won 45. Ohio, Hillary won 56.5. Sanders won 42.7. And of course, Missouri, 32-32. Um, so it's a it's a statistical tie. So at the moment, she's like 4-0-1 uh, for yesterday. So again, so we don't have to hear the argument again. Hillary's only winning the states that she's going to lose in the fall. Well, obviously, Hillary's going to win those, some, of, some of those other states that uh, we're talking about. And Sanders won Oklahoma. It's not like Sanders was going to win Oklahoma in the fall either. Uh, that's silly. Uh, so, but the, the as, he, as he, there are some people, you know, who are trying to urge calm in the Sanders campaign. And there are some people who are freaking out in the Sanders campaign. And there's good reason why, because even if you're just looking at the pledged delegates, uh, each elect, each day that there's an election, you're seeing Hillary Clinton expanding her lead of pledged delegates. And as she expands her lead of pledged delegates, she is able to make it that much harder uh, in these Democratic nominations that are awarded. Uh, there are no winner-take-alls. This is they're awarded as on a proportional basis. So if you're awarding on a proportional basis, that means the next set of elections, in order for you to try and play catch up, you have to win even a higher percentage of a state than you did before. So, and if you don't, then Hillary Clinton expands her lead even more, expands her lead more. Furthermore, back in 2008, Hillary had the superdelegate lead and then Obama was able to win, 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 and take some of them away as they went with the popular vote. So, as Hillary Clinton keeps winning the popular vote, as Hillary Clinton keeps winning these states, she's making she's solidifying those superdelegates with her, and it's making it harder for Bernie Sanders to try and convince those superdelegates, look, you really need to come with me, because if you don't, then something bad's going to happen, or what have you. So, even if you, so, if you're not counting the superdelegates, which you should, because the superdelegates represent a snapshot of a race as the race as it stands at this point in time, just like polls do. Um, if you're going to, if you're going, if, and if you're going to discuss them, you know, it's fine. But even if we don't discuss them, even if you leave them out for a second, you know, she still has, and I'm noticing, I think this is different from last week, because last week I was trying to find the difference in pledged and unpledged delegates. And now they're showing it on Google. Well, I don't think last week they did. So you have Hillary Clinton with 1,139 pledged delegates and Sanders has 825 pledged delegates. And so there's a difference between of 300 something uh, delegates, which is more, which is a bigger difference than there was before. Of course, Sanders has 26 uh, superdelegates that have said that they're supporting him and Hillary has 467 Superdelegates are saying that's supporting her, which makes the lead even bigger, obviously, another 400, little under 450 or so 
So a 750 delegate lead at this point in time. But from what it's looking like, it doesn't even look like she'll need the superdelegates because it looks like she's going to, um, she looks like she's just pulling away. And people are like, well, 300 is not insurmountable. Well, 300 wasn't insurmountable <coughs> earlier either. But, you know, when the lead was 200, you know, 200 wasn't insurmountable. But then more states were completed. So you're having a smaller and smaller pool to get delegates from, and the delegates are getting the, the delegate lead that Hillary Clinton has is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, which means your chances of being able to pull enough delegates from the remaining delegate pool to convince the electorate, hey, look, I should be your winner, it's it's becoming less and less likely that Bernie Sanders is going to win the, pres- the nomination of the Democratic Party. Now, you know, I'm not going to sit here and urge Bernie Sanders to get out of the race. I think having him in the race can be helpful, can be productive, can help push some progressive things, maybe in areas where maybe Bernie Sanders is a little more progressive than Hillary Clinton on. And that's fine. You know, as long as there's a path to, that there's a, a possible path to victory, even if it's not probable, you know, he should stay in the race if he wants to. And that's all to be up to him now. When it comes to a point where, if, if it comes to a point where she has enough, especially if she has enough pledge to delegate, because currently, even if you count her super delegates, she's still <clears throat> 702 delegates off. And upcoming, you, know, you have March 22nd, Arizona, Idaho, Utah, March 26th, Alaska, Hawaii, Washington. Washington has 101 delegates. Uh, so you have those states that are coming up. So even in those states, you have 100, 200, maybe th- less than 300. So even in, in in the remaining states in March, you know, it's um, even if she won them all, she couldn't win. And most likely she's not going to win them all. Most likely, you know, the, you know she's going to win a chunk of them. Now, how big of a chunk that is, you know, will be determined, I guess, by those individual races, obviously. But unless Sanders can have a take a big chunk of them, then and if, if Hillary expands her lead even more, even if she doesn't expand her lead, let's say Sanders wins all, but like by one or two, you know, you you may have he may have closed the gap a little bit, but if you close the gap by like ten delegates, but you but three hundred delegates have gone away, it's not enough. It's it's not a big enough of a gain. It's like a lot of people are talking about, you know, switching back to the Republican for a second. A lot of people were saying that Ted Cruz would have liked to have seen uh, the delegate lead that Trump has to be under 250 to a probably under 200. But that didn't happen last night. <coughs> the Trump's lead is about 270 or something. And, of course, there are less delegates in the Republican primaries than there are in the Democratic primary, so looking at the numbers can be a little bit weird. But... Now, then coming out in April, you know, you have Wisconsin, Wyoming. You know, New York will be a big one. That's 247 delegates. Um, then you have Pennsylvania, 189, Connecticut, 55, Maryland, 95. Now, the April contests, you know, you know, it's possible. I don't think it's probable, but it's possible she could lock it up by then. It's possible that if you're counting the superdelegates, um, if she gets big enough of a chunk of New York and Pennsylvania that maybe she makes it 
unreasonable for Sanders to even think that there is a real path. Again, because, you know, even if she split <coughs> everything from here on out 50-50, the remaining number of the remaining number of delegates that are out there, of the 4,000 that are out there, there's 2,300. I'm sorry, there's 2,383. I was doing the wrong math. I was off by 80. So, but even then, you know, let's say Hillary Clinton just split them equally 50-50. There's no gaining being done. So there's now even less of a pool to pick these people from. You know, so you take it all the way to June. California has 475 delegates. New Jersey, 126. Um, you know, does Sanders really think that in the rest of March, April, and May, that he's going to close the gap enough to where the remaining delegates in June are going to make a difference? I guess he does because that's why he's still in the race. But it's again becoming increasingly more unlikely that he's going to be able to pull it off. And so a lot of people have seen saying now that because of what happened on Tuesday, that Hillary Clinton is likely going to be the nominee. That being said, if Sanders can pull off a victory, I will gladly <coughs> and happily support him as the Democratic nominee for president and will um, openly support his campaign on this on this podcast. I will uh, be more than happy to have any first person who supports him on the show to tout the wonders that is he. Um, and I will, you know, be very happy to support him in, in November if he is the nominee. That being said, if Clinton is nominee, same thing goes. I will donate to her campaign just like I would donate to his. I'll, you know, happily discuss the all the pros to supporting her and why she's better than the Republican nominee, just like why Bernie would be better than a Republican nominee. And I'd be more than happy to support that campaign as well. So at the end of the day, to me, again, it's all about the Supreme Court. It's all about having to make sure that a Democrat can be elected to their office in order to make sure that you know, we don't get Supreme Court nominees that are horrible. Because until you fix the gerrymandering, until you can fix the gerrymandering and make Congress less extreme and eliminate that gridlock and return Washington to a place where at least things could get worked on and accomplished, you know, you pretty much have to draw that line in the sand of the Supreme Court and say, look, we are not going to allow the Supreme Court to fall into conservative hands that will roll back these um, gains that we've made in civil rights over the past years. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to let it happen. And you shouldn't let it happen either if you're a voter. I don't care who you're supporting in the, in the primaries. If your candidate doesn't win, and especially if you live in a state where it matters, um, like Louisiana, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'll vote for Hillary or Bernie, but it's unlikely that my vote's going to count for anything because Louisiana will likely pick the Republican nominee. So, you know, now in a, in a if you happen to have a race that was that exploded where you wound up having third party candidates, that's a whole new can of worms. And I might discuss that on a different show. Uh, let's go ahead and take the final commercial break. Um, taking your calls as well, three four seven eight three eight eight three six eight. That is area code three four seven eight three eight eight three six eight. Uh this is Liberal Band Radio. Talk from the left, that's right.
If you need legal representation or advice on issues such as family law, bankruptcy law, DWI, or other civil or criminal matters, you need hands-on legal advice from someone who will treat you as a priority and not just another number. So call the law office of Sherry I. Sandler at 504-528-9500. That's 504-528-9500. Or email sandlerlaw at cox.net. I trust Sherry with my legal needs. So should you. The preceding ad was an unpaid client endorsement. Do you like fun jewelry? Do you wish you could design jewelry that is designed just for you and that tells your story? Well, with Origami Owl, you can do just that. An Origami Owl jewelry bar is a fun way to get together with your friends, hang out, and design jewelry. There is no pressure to buy, but when you host a party, either in person or online, you have the opportunity to get deeply discounted jewelry based on what the friends you invite to the party purchase. If you would be interested in holding a party, either online or in person, go to cassiezcharms.origamiowl.com. That is C-A-S-S-I-E-Z charms.origamiowl.com and contact Cassie today. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 347-838-8368. That's area code 347-838-8368. Uh, last part of the show, I want to talk about free speech. Um, we have situation going on, a situation that went on in Chicago, where you had some protesters who went into uh, Trump's rally, uh, they made it so that he could not be heard. Um, he, Trump, at that point, decided to shut down the rally and not hold it, and the protesters cheered that they were able to shut him down. <clears throat> this didn't stop people from saying that it was Trump's decision to shut it down, but even though those other people who forced him to or caused him to not want to be able to have it on because he didn't feel it could be effective. Now... This is the thing, and I've, I've tweeted about this a little bit. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's again it's at Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter. I've tweeted about this a little bit. Um, wanted to make a blog post about it, but I've been a little busy at work. So, but I've been discussing this issue on, on Facebook as well, and and it to the ire and outrage against some of my liberal friends, um, I have basically come out in in saying that the protesters were wrong. The protesters should not have gone and done that. Now, the protesters want to stand outside of the hall that Trump reserved, the arena or whatever it was that Trump reserved for himself and his followers to be able to, so he could be able to share his message to anybody else. That's fine. You know, look, and if you want to, if, if there are two people standing on opposite corners of the street and they're shouting each other down then again that's fine you know there's there's nothing i have nothing against that you know it, it might not be the most effective way to spread your message however it's still not you know what happened in chicago and you know a lot of my liberal friends were saying oh this is this is what democracy looks like this is what america looks like this is what patriotism this is <clears throat> we shut him down, and I'm like, no. Oh. First of all, ignoring what rights do and don't do, 
to me, the best way to beat Donald Trump is to let him talk. Let him put his foot in his mouth as much as possible. In the general election, he will lose and lose. It's huge. His, his loss would be huge. It'll be huge. It'll be great when they beat him. It'll be great. I'm working on my impression. I know it's horrible. Um, so, from a tactical standpoint, letting him speak is the best thing to do. But even that, you know, doesn't get to the meat of the issue, which is that the freedom of speech, it does not protect you from criticism. It does not protect you from having other people. Um, it does not protect you from having other people saying that you know something else in opposition to you. It doesn't prevent you from having you know repercussions. You know you might say something, and if you say something that might cause you to lose votes or maybe lose your job or. You know, it might cause people to, if you're if you're on a, somebody else's platform like a radio station, it might cause people to boycott that radio station or boycott advertisers of that radio station, and that's their right to do that too, to say that they're not going to buy the products that are being they're being advertised on the station if uh, you disagree with what's being said, and that that's that's quite all right. That is well within people's free speech rights to do that, and the First Amendment clearly talks about government prohibition, First Amendment does not, you know, ban, you know, it doesn't restrict, per se, the ability of people to protest. And look, I'm all about protesting what Donald Trump has to say when I find what he says to be morally abhorrent and to be very, very problematic, to say the very least, bigoted, um, xenophobic. And potentially even to the point where he perhaps is inciting violence. But it was still his stage. It was still his microphone. You know, I have the right to have, I have this podcast. And I can have this podcast as long as the people of Blog Talk Radio allow it to happen. And I can allow people to call into the show or not, and I can take people's calls, and I can hang up on them if I choose to do so. Um, and people don't have the right to come on my radio show and say things and attack me if I don't want them to, and I'm free to shut them down if they do. <clears throat> the same thing is true about a political rally. If you are going to um, you know, Trump either got a, got a permit to hold the rally there and or, you know, paid any costs with that and or paid the rent uh, that it would cost to, to rent that venue to hire security uh, to be there. Um, so basically that's his microphone. That's his ability to his, that hall is his microphone. Protesters don't get to come up and take your microphone and use it against your consent. That is not right. That is not protected under your First Amendment rights. That is not protected speech. And Donald Trump has every right to 
push people out of his of his forums or his rallies that don't respect that. And I, but I, and I've heard people say that this is. You know, oh, they're just practicing their free speech rights, and free speech, you know, means that you should be able to shout people down and go over there and, and voice your opinion. And no, free speech allows you to voice your opinion. You are allowed to buy your own microphone and share your opinion with others. You are not allowed under the First Amendment to take somebody else's microphone away from them that they've purchased and use it for your own good. They have the right to use that microphone, and. The fact that there's so many people who are coming in in support of this is bothersome to me uh, because, you know, there's the idea, what what I say, the American ideal of free speech is, you know, I may not agree with with what you say, but I will fight for your right to say it. And those people who are wanting to shut down the speech of other people and the people applauding those who are doing so are taking that idea, in my opinion, and flushing it down the toilet. So I can go over a little bit, and that's fine. So we do have a caller on the line, so I didn't want to give the caller a chance to uh, voice his or her opinion. How are you doing tonight? I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you for calling in. Um, I believe this is uh, one of our regulars. Uh, so what do you have to say? Do you have anything to add about the issue of, of what I'm saying with free speech and Trump? Yeah, well, no matter what, this was to me. This is never a free speech issue. Speech issue. Uh, this was an issue of uh, what plays in Peoria might not play in the big city. So if you're in Alabama and you're doing these rallies, and people are getting roughhoused, and it goes on social media, and you're building up this fervor, uh, when you go to a bigger city, uh, they might not be as open to hear it, so you'll get protesting. Now, if you didn't prepare for that amount of protesting and you didn't have adequate security for it to secure the area, get your people in there and do what you needed to do, uh, that's kind of a you problem. You created that 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 anticipation for it. Uh, people like to present that that whole situation as if it was some kind of violent uh, group out there just beating up people, when in reality all it was was two different groups from <clears throat> two different sides who were arguing loudly in the street and some of those arguments turned into fights. But it wasn't like some type of thing where it was just a riot and people were just being attacked uh, for being Trump supporters. It's amazing how they poke their chest out in areas where they're the majority, and they go somewhere else and run into something else, and now all of a sudden these people get (laughs) cowardly and start trying to hide behind, uh, you know, freedom of speech and all this other stuff. Like Freedom of speech is the government trying to take your speech away from you. This is the case of he went too far, his his people went too far, they put those images up online, and because of that, it got people worked up and ready for him. If I made well, here, a bunch of statements about, <clears throat> look, look I, I'll just put it, okay, I'll, I'll close real quick. If I was in my city, my city and I made a whole bunch of statements about white people, and then I went to a majority white city, and then acted surprised that there were white people outside who didn't want to hear what I had to say and were protesting me, like, <laughs> at what point do we do we stop playing the game of acting like this is, you know, everything was above board until Chicago? Well, look, I, I'll say this, is that I'm not talking about the people that were outside. I have no problem with what the people did outside. I think it's wonderful what the people did outside. That people outside are cool. And I, 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 I'm not talking about them at all. 
I'm talking about the people who went inside, the people who went in there to, instead of actually just protesting what was going on, to go inside and disrupt what was going on. I'm talking about the people who were in, were trying to actually, you know, not physically take the microphone away, but, you know, metaphorically take the microphone away, make it impossible for him to hold that rally there. And, you know, and, you know, I've made this point sometimes, too, where if, if he paid money for that event and he, he wants to, you know, spend money on, you know, either permitting and or the rent and or the security uh, to be able to cover, you know, the cost associated with that. And he was prevented from doing so because people wanted to, you know, people came in there to disrupt and make it so he couldn't, you know, hold the event in the manner in which he wanted to. Um, that almost comes to theft because you've, you've prevented somebody from using um, a good or service that they've otherwise would have been able to do had you not stepped in to do that. You know, he, he, he has basically spent money on and, and has able to do nothing. You know, yes, he's rich, he's white, you know, rich, rich white guy who is very privileged. And, you know, the, the idea that he is, you know, going to be hurt by this, you know, as, as a result of his, of, as a net result of, um, you know, what he paid versus what he has, you know, obviously it's, 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 it's probably insignificant and he probably wouldn't seek uh, to get money back uh, from that. And he probably was able to parlay the events that took on, you know, perhaps even to more of a positive towards his campaign because he has some magical ability to do that, uh, to, to take something that is a negative. Um, people make negative ads about him and he somehow was able to flip it around and make it a positive. But, you know, and yeah, I said that before that, you know, the First Amendment is protects individual from government preventing them from their from making protected speech. What I'm saying is that um, the government has every right to come in and stop those protesters and pull those protesters out of that arena um, because taking which, somebody's which microphone away happened. that they paid for, taking somebody's microphone that away that that they paid for is not protected speech. You you are not protected, and in fact, there is a law. Yeah, but, uh, but, but hold on though, but, uh, but aren't you aren't you making a leap to say that if, if that's not what happened? If he showed up at the hall and they did take the mic from him or they did stop him from speaking physically, then I can see you making this argument. But the fact that he saw all this opposition and his, his campaign decided it's best not to do it tonight, probably just because they weren't prepared for that amount of people uh, didn't expect that kind of blowback. But if they'd have been prepared and they'd have came in and the people protested and they put out each protester uh, who wasn't there for the Trump rally, I, I I don't see where this goes to where you're saying in reality. Like I could see, like yeah, this this could have played out that way, but that's not what well, we the, saw because he chose not to show up. Well, no, I was watching it. I mean, I watched what was going on, and and there there was a guy that they had to pull off the stage. There there was a group of people, according to one Politico dot com report, that you know they had gotten there early and they and they positioned themselves in the front of the stage and were you know were going to make it very hard for them to be moved and there were many people in that area who were who were intent on making as much noise as possible to keep it, to keep uh Trump from being able to spread his message um that being said um according to another website another article that i found um um article by um Colin I don't know how to pronounce the last name, De- Deleda. Um, you know, he has um, Secret Service protection. 
2012, H.R. 347, a federal dealing with protest, was amended to make it a crime to disrupt the orderly conduct um, of government business or official functions in areas where the Secret Service is providing its protection. So if the Supreme Court, if, if the, uh, sorry, if the Secret Service is providing protection to a person, it then actually becomes illegal for them to do so. And look, you know, I, I embrace the idea of civil disobedience, you know, if, if people are passionate about it enough, but then they have to understand that there actually are being civilly disobedient. If they are breaking the law, that they feel it's unjust, or if they feel that the reason for doing so is just in and of itself, but then they have to deal with the consequences of that as well. So, but if, regardless of the fact that, yeah, you know, I, I think you're still making the argument of if it happened that way, but it didn't. And as far as getting those people removed, if they really wanted to remove those people, they could have, I just think it's a case of his base wasn't as big there as it was in other places as far as having that balance of, uh, of, of power within the area, so they decided to shut it down. But if they really wanted to get all of those people removed, they could have. The next event that they have in a city <clears throat> like Chicago, they'll, they'll vet the door well. They'll make sure only Trump supporters are getting in. They'll do something online or, or something to make sure the, the people who get in are going to be Trump supporters and there'll only be a few people who try to crash it. And they'll put them out, and, and, you know, things will go on. Like, this is not the pearl-clutching and hand-wringing that people are trying to make it out to be. Uh, but should, but, a, a but should they have to do that? Should, should somebody have mm-hmm. to do that? Should, 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 if somebody is holding a private rally, you know, and, and, and it, it might be open to the public, i.e. he might invite people in from the outside to look, come listen to him. But I, I've used this as an example before. Let's say a, a band um, is you know wants no, to no, perform. Let me make. Let, let me make. Let me make. Let me make my point first. Then you can let me. Right. Let's say you have a concert that's open to the public, but still somebody's paying to put this concert on. This concert you know has a band. Let's say there's a rival band that you know that they often clash with or whatever. I don't know. Maybe they disagree with on certain things. That other band doesn't have the right to come in and set up and outplay the first band whose event it is. The, 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 the permitting of, of that event, the renting out of the area of that event makes that event that area. And to me, it's no different than if I were to have, you know, my house, you know, I have an event at my house and somebody, and, you know, to have an event there and, and be able to talk about something. You don't have the right to come into my house and start, you know, yelling at me as to why I'm wrong about the thing that I'm talking about. You know, it, it, and the same thing applies I, here. I, I get the people don't have the right to come in. Now, people might not be surprised over the fact that Trump's comments make people angry. They make me angry. But people don't have the right to come in and protest and go into that event to go in there and yell and scream and try and drown out the person who, who, is, um, who they disagree with. They don't have because okay. because they're doing I, I, it on I, his I dime. You, man. But let, let me let me put a more realistic and more close analogy to the situation. Let's say sure. Louis Farrakhan is running running for president, and he right. gets up in, in one in a majority black city and starts talking about white people, calling them this, calling them that, calling them that, and then he has to go to Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin for an event. Sure. Now, before the event, let's say he has the the fruit of Islam, the big guys with the bow ties, throwing throwing people out who come to protest, uh, roughing some people up. And then they have the event set up for Madison, Wisconsin. What do you think would happen? I'm sure we'd probably see a lot of hypocrisy. 
I'm sure we probably see a lot of people who are defending Trump for doing what he's doing, you know, coming out and, 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 and now attacking Farrakhan for doing that. And then people who were attacking the protesters would now be defending these protesters and vice versa. You know, me, you know, again, it doesn't matter who the person is. If it's, you know, if, 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 if it's a Klan rally, if it's Louis Farrakhan, what, if it's Donald what I'm Trump, if it's Bernie you, Sanders. I don't think you're taking this in real politic or real real way of life and understanding. <laughs> like, it, 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 it's, it's, it's kind of like that old analogy of uh, don't, don't quote laws to men with swords. Like, like this situation, this, there was no other way that this situation could have turned out. And I'm not saying that Louis Farrakhan would be right for doing the same thing Trump would be doing. Of course, he would be wrong as well. What I'm saying is the way that it would play out is based on the American psyche, the American emotion, and how we are politically right now especially. So we could sit up and say, oh, well, this doesn't go by this law, that law, that law. I'm telling you, Americans will behave this way. You see what, and like, what I'm saying no is that I, 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 kind of, I reject the idea, though, that, 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 there's two, that there's only two possibilities, that it was you know, either you know, they come in and protest or nothing happens whatsoever. You know, you know, there are plenty of people who are outside the event who were protesting as well. And those people were doing it the right way. Those people were doing it in a way that it was not seeking to shut down the speech of somebody else, that they were doing it in a way to not, you know, they were doing it to look, we disagree with what that idiot is saying inside that building. And we are letting it known that we are, we are protesting. And if Trump would have left and not held the event just from those outside protesters, then, you know, that would be a completely different story. But the idea that, you know, I, I'm, and, I'm just amazed that people are so upset at those protesters and not upset at people who are rough, rough housing women, punching people in the face while police officers stand by and do nothing. Uh, yelling. Oh, people I mean, look, don't get me. Blood. I mean, I could like, I could I'm sit here and probably do a whole at, at how much the rabble is getting away with on that side. And people all of a sudden, uh, everybody wants to, you know, get all their bearings for this side. Like that's that's amazing to watch to me. I could sit here and do a whole show on the whole, you know, the idea of how, you know, that guy, I forget his name, punches a guy who's being escorted out and the police tackle the guy being escorted out and not the guy that made the unprovoked punch. You know, that not only was that ridiculous that that happened that way and, you know, finally he got arrested, but he should have been arrested that night and they shouldn't have tackled the other guy, the other guy for, you know, doing nothing. Um, that's, a clear representation of, you know, privilege in this country and how, how racial lines and racial discrimination is, you know, entrenched in, in policing systems. And there are plenty of things that I could say about that. You know, Trump's saying that he would potentially, you know, pay, you know, pay the bail of people who attack him with a tomato, but right. say, you know, that, you know, well, you don't have the right to throw a tomato at Donald Trump either. I mean, that, that's technically an assault, albeit with a tomato. Um, you know, people who are at his rallies could take that to mean something like, like oh, he's going to pay my bail if I hit one of these people. So let me go hit one of these people. Um, the guy was the guy who was finally arrested, who sucker punched that guy, you know, was like, he might have been ISIS. Well, that's ridiculous. You know, you don't know that. You don't punch somebody because you think he might be something, you know. I might be the queen of, queen of England for all you know. It doesn't mean I am, you know, and you don't act on it until you have proof otherwise. So there are plenty of things that I'm angry about. And there are, you know, there are in my, I guess, circle of friends, you know, most of which who are liberal, you know, 
I don't necessarily feel the need to explain to them why punching, sucker punching the guy walking up the stairs was the wrong thing to do. Hell, even amongst many of my conservative friends, I didn't have to explain to them that sucker punching the guy who was being escorted up the steps was wrong. Even they said that that guy was completely in the wrong for doing so, and he was ridiculous for the statements that he made. So I have—I don't think I have anybody in my in my friends list or anybody who defended that guy. And I'm sure that there are people in America who defended that guy absolutely, and a lot of them are probably Trump supporters. But the idea that um, so, and then there are other people also who are out there discussing that issue. Um, and I yeah, saw a lot of people dealing saying, with that it, issue. Not, so, 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 wait, wait, let me finish, let me finish with that. Let me finish. Let me, let me just finish real quick. My, so, so there are a lot of people who are discussing that issue. You know, and I, I'm trying to make my podcast be a podcast one that, that doesn't just repeat what everybody else is saying. I want to discuss the things that, you know, that I feel are important things to say that maybe aren't getting as much airtime, aren't getting as much play. So I don't necessarily feel the need that I have that I'm, I don't feel that I'm adding to the conversation that's going on by me sitting here and discussing, you know, how white privilege comes to play into police action when it comes to tackling the punch E instead of the puncher. I don't feel that I'm adding to the conversation uh, by, by, you know, talking about how Donald Trump is uh, supporting, you know, violent rhetoric and maybe he could very well be encouraging his people uh, to be acting violent towards protesters or just violent to people who disagree with them in general. Other people are doing that already. So I don't understand. I don't, I don't necessarily feel the need to go ahead and say those things too. So, I mean, I may say things that other people oh, also say, but, yeah. but, but, so, but I see this other issue of, you know, people, especially, and my, you know, I'm, I'm my podcast. I, I often con- criticize conservative people. I sometimes criticize liberal people uh, when I think that they're doing things that I find are wrong or that I, you know, I want to make another argument to say, look, maybe we should rethink this sort of thing that's going on. So I didn't see a lot of people out there making the arguments that I was making that I've been making about this issue. Uh, So that's why I picked this issue to discuss, not because those other issues are important or, or shouldn't be talked about because they should be, and they are. And that's so, so I don't, I don't think it's necessarily fair to, for you to criticize the show, or for me, uh, for not talking about those other things, because you know I'm making I, I have a limited amount of time that I can put the show per week, and I have you know I have to make those decisions as to what makes my show more interesting, more compelling, and you know repeating the same thing that 40 other shows are saying, or 40,000 other shows are saying, or somewhere in between, you know, doesn't make this show a more compelling show. But talking about something that, you know, not just made up out of the blue, but something that I feel is, is an important topic to discuss that isn't being discussed on a lot of those other shows, I think works to make my show more compelling. And I'm, look, I mean, and if you disagree with me, that's fine, and we can have an, no, an no, no, honest... No, 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 this is, this is the problem we're having here. I guess I, 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 I didn't frame what I was trying to say correctly. Okay. I wasn't okay. sitting here saying that you were, you were making the wrong argument or having the wrong conversation. That, that's not <clears> what I was trying to say at all. What I okay. was trying to say was, it's not even being the two the two things aren't being equated. One side is being weighed way more heavily. So if you like, if you if you were to do a Google search and look at the amount of think pieces that were written about uh, the First Amendment, uh, the Chicago protesters, uh, the thuggery, the rioting, da, 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 you, you pull that up and you'll see just the amount of media and information that's been put out on that 
but we're treating this other thing as if it's a legit, real thing, and it and it's actually not. This is like old school George George Wallace stuff. Uh, like you said earlier, no matter how bad or how negative the press is or what he does, uh, it only either makes him a little bit stronger or he stays the same. Why? Because those people aren't in it to think about the issues or think about what he's actually saying. They're in it because he's anti-establishment. They want an anti-establishment guy. So in their minds, no matter what, they're sticking with them. Everything that somebody says is a smear. So we're looking at that dynamic going on right now, and I don't think that part is being discussed as much or being really critiqued. So I'm not calling you saying, you're doing your show wrong, man. You need to do your show this way. No, no, I, I misspoke if, if that's how I came off. That, was, that okay. wasn't what I was trying to say at all. I'm just, like I said, I'm just amazed that we're watching this in real time. It's like some people have compared it to the brown shirts. Like, I won't go that far, but I'm just saying, like, this is amazing to watch to where a politician can come with no details, no real description, no actual plan, just keep shouting mantras, and get stronger and stronger as the evidence piles up against them that they're kind of a fraud. That's the amazing part to me is what I'm trying to say. No, I mean, and that that actually does shock me too. I mean, I understand that there are people within the Republican Party who act like that, you know, who will act like that, and that those people exist um, doesn't surprise me per se, but that those people are – you know, that they weren't able to counter that with other people is what actually does surprise me is that typically, you know, they're able to come up with somebody who I might not, I might not agree with the plans, but they may, they may come up with the plan and, you know, and present a plan and, and, and at least be a little bit more of a thinking person's candidate as opposed to, you know, because the establishment usually is able to grab it, the Republican party is usually able to pick somebody out of the crowd and say, look, this is the guy that we're eventually going to get behind. And the other people, who um, attract more of the mouth breathers, I guess, um, they are tend to you know, eventually lose interest. Um, that he is able to have done this, I mean, maybe it's because he's a businessman and you know, he, can, he doesn't need the establishment support so he can do this by himself and he gets all the free media he wants because by being ridiculous, you know, they have something to report on. Um, you know, and and then they and then people who see the ridiculousness go, oh look, more stuff from Donald Trump that we like because we like ridiculous <laughs> too. So I mean, right. uh, yeah, that that is definitely an, an interesting part of the campaign that that you know, I don't know, I, mean, I, I think I've touched on it before, but you know, I, I just you know coming uh, back yeah. to the whole thing, I, you know, I, I, I just, with, with my, my biggest my biggest thing with tonight and, and discussing for the free speech aspect of it was the fact that a lot of people are, I'm just trying to say that. You know, that to come in, you know, whether or not you think that it was inevitable that these people would do that as a response to what Trump is saying. I mean, I'm sure it may very well be possible that, you know, to say that it is it was inevitable that you're going to have a group of people who are going to get so pissed off at what this idiot is saying uh, that they're going to act in a way that they did. And some of them outside, fine. Some of them coming inside, you know, to disrupt, to actually disrupt the speech. What I'm just, all I'm trying to say is that, you know, there's basically two things that, you know, that them doing that is not they're embracing their free speech rights. I don't think that behavior is covered and protected under free speech laws, um, which some people have said. And B, um, that I, I think it, it's, 
it's not something that we should be embracing. We may say, look, you know, okay, it's happening and we understand why it's happening, but it's not necessarily something that we should be embracing because to me, it falls back to that whole, I may not agree with what you're saying, but I will fight for your right to say it. You know, I remember, you know, I was raised Jewish. I'm not practicing right now. I guess I practiced enough as a kid. I'm good enough at it. I don't need to practice anymore. Um, I disagree with like the NFF Nation League and other people who want to fight the Klan when the Klan wants to protest somewhere. Um, not because I agree with the Klan. Obviously, I disagree with the Klan vehemently. Uh, but the you know I don't think that speech should be pushed underground, and I don't I don't agree with a lot of other countries that try and push you know just the idea of you know hateful speech underground. Now, hate crimes, you know things that are done not just to voice an opinion, but to encourage, you know, terrorizing against the community, those are absolutely, you know, those actions should be punished and, and fully. And there's even discussion that what Trump is doing, you know, is being looked at as potential, as potentially encouraging, you know, violence against specific groups and as such could be, you know, a violation of hate crime laws. And, and, and if that's the case, then it should be looked into fully and, and investigated, whatever. And because again, that type of speech is not protected either. Um, once you know, but ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I'm inclined to side on you know, not trying to shut down the speech of others by trying to drown them out. Instead, trying to do you know, trying to give my part and do my part and saying, look, here is you know, here's where I believe that this person is wrong. These are the reasons. That, do I, am I think that that sort of tactic is going to sway? your average Trump supporter or your current Trump supporter? Obviously not. I don't think that that would be the case. Um, and, you know, yeah, just yeah, as you yeah, said, just as you said, you know, there, there, are, there are liberals, there, there are people who are calling, hold on, there are liberals that are calling those other people, you know, the new Trump rallies brown shirts. I actually saw conservatives calling these protesters brown shirts too. So that ridiculous exists on both sides. But, you know, I, go ahead and make your point. Yeah, yeah, free speech has, has, has self-interest tied into it no matter what. I allow you to say whatever ridiculous thing you want to because I need my free speech as well, so and no way I'm letting them take you down because then they take me down. So, no, that, that's completely understood. All, all, I was, all I was trying to really get at was when you, uh, what, what was the Kennedy quote, those that make peaceful revolution impossible? So when you have situations where people are peaceful protesters, protesters and they're getting beat up, at an event, you're setting the stage for things to ramp up. And I think that was the more important issue. Uh, less than Trump and, and some of the ridiculous things that he said, it was the actions of his supporters against these other people in this social media age to where somebody watches that guy get punched 100 times. Somebody watches them push and shove that young woman, you know what I mean, 100 times. You right. do that, you get people ramped up. That, that's, that's all I was trying to get at. I wasn't making an argument that uh, you're wrong on this free speech argument. I, I think you're correct on that. I'm, I'm not, okay. I'm, let, me, let me state that. You know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> I think you're correct on that part. But, yeah, no, and, and I agree with you that the, the way that, you know, everything is captured on camera and everything is uploaded to the Internet and shared and reshared and reposted. And, you know, when I see, when I saw that guy just, sucker punch the guy being escorted out, you know, that pissed me off. And, you know, when I saw the woman being pushed around, that also pissed me off. And, and, you know, I guess, 
you know, not to the obviously not to the point where I was going to fly to Chicago and and go go try and you know <laughs> do that to somebody. And look, and you know, maybe that maybe there is you know a point where I would get to where I would reach my tipping point and say, look, I'm going to do something that I normally wouldn't do um, because I'm angry because I think it's 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 required in, in this situation. But you know. I still wouldn't necessarily do so because I think it's, but it's you don't legal have that right. Kind of investment in these two parties, though. Like we we got to think of this like a football stadium. Like me and you, we think a little bit differently politically, but the majority of people look at look at politics like a football team. So I'm D, I'm R, and they're fanatic. Of, you know, they're they're fanatics to a certain extent. So this kind of stuff can happen once one side does something that appears to get the upper hand. The other side's gonna come back and try to do it, and and. In saying this, I'm kind of talking about the political awareness of Americans, period. But it, it, it's more emotional than it is anything. So just true. watching that whole thing didn't surprise me. And I, I don't think we'll see this again in another big city. I think the Trump people will be prepared and everything will be laid out and, and the protesters will be outside and it will be the typical event. I don't think we'll see that again. I just think they just got surprised. They didn't think that it would, it would be that many people out there. And it's kind of an indictment of the left that they could uh, actually mobilize that many people for something so insignificant, but they can't mobilize people for local elections. They can't mobilize <laughs> people for the big deals when they come up. They can't mobilize people for, you know what I mean, when important things happen. So you mobilize in twenty. You mobilize a Trump rally, but you didn't mobilize well enough to, you know, make sure that the Republicans didn't win in twenty ten and cause all this gerrymandering that took place. Exactly. So yeah, I I, I know, can agree with that. Is that is that you 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 that that's definitely a good point. You 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 yeah. I'll I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. That's that's a great point. So anything else you want to say before I go ahead and end the show? Uh, sorry for taking up so much of your time. I guess. Oh no, I, I, I frame, like I said, I framed the argument badly earlier, but I, I think we're both on kind of the same page. We're just looking at it like, and I think we're both kind of shocked. Just looking at all of this, like what the yeah. hell is this? Do I have to leave this place in 2025 or something like that? Like, it's really bad. And here's here's a big secret: uh, the Bernie people who don't get their guy, the Trump people who don't get their guy. This ain't getting better in 2020. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most likely not. I mean, it's um, well. I mean, although the Bernie or Bust people, I don't know if you saw the Bill Maher clip on on the real on the new rules on Friday. Um, but I think no. he made a he made an excellent point about the Bernie or Bust people. He was like, you know, basically you're saying no. Uh, what's the word that he used? Um, uh, I forget the the label against the the the, the type of some. <laughs> I forget what it was, but basically it was like you're trying to you you're going to stay home if Bernie loses, so that to to, to because you don't want to support the type of politician that you think Hillary is. Well, by doing so, you elect the politician that you know Trump is. So, you know, that to me, to me, it's just, it's just baffling. That, but that's, I've discussed that before. I don't need to rehash that again. And I'm sure I'll discuss it again at some point later on the show. But thank you again for calling in. I do appreciate it. Um, um, if you do follow me on Twitter. I'm not really good. I'm not really not active on there. Um, I might okay. have to pick well, it up a little bit. I'll check you out right, on there, though. Yeah, you check it out at Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter, and you know I'm, you know, if you want a bumper sticker, I'll, I'll you know, message me and I'll go ahead and send you one too if you want. So I have two different ones. You know, you can give it to somebody if you don't want to use it, but you know, I have plenty to hand out. So 
Anyway, let's go ahead. Thank, I'm, thank you again for calling in. I do appreciate it. I'm going to go ahead and end the show right now. Um, I'll be back on same time, uh, 8 p.m. Central um, next Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, if you uh, until then, I'll be on Twitter at Liberal Dan Radio, Facebook.com slash Liberal Dan, um, Liberal And again, until next week, 8 p.m. This is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. <laughs>